The rats are falling. 
praying about something, don't give up. Don't give the devil a chance. Don't give up. Let God do his work. Don't give up. Hallelujah. Don't give up. Don't give up. I start the love. And the end. And the answer. I start the love. And the end. And the answer. I start the
I want to begin by thanking everybody, first off, for yesterday. It was such a blessing. Our appreciation. Thank you for everyone that came out, was able to come out. And uh, we honored you. And uh, it was, uh, thank you for all the gifts and everything that you gave. It was funny. I have to note that uh, we went to open one card, and when we did, a pile of money fell out of it. I thought, praise Jesus. It was $100, $1 bills. <laughs> and I just want to say thank you to Nancy Anderson's class for that, all right? For every job. You guys, you got me on that. It was great. It was great. Fell all over the place. I felt rich for just one minute. Thank y'all. Really felt rich. I got a couple things I want to announce now to get right into the Word. If you took a part in the Christmas play last week, um, in, in the meeting, uh, meet with Jennifer and, and Ann immediately following the service, straight down this hallway in the choir room, and they're going to be getting out your parts. And even if you weren't there last week, and perhaps you have thought about it and you'd like to do a part, we have some smaller parts, there are only one or two lines, and they may need some fill-in, so if it's something you may be interested in, just run down there today and let them know that you're interested so they can put you on the list. Also, for Celebration Sunday, we're going to have October the 15th. It's going to be a homecoming-style meal after the worship service in the gym. The church, we're going to provide some meats, but we also want you to bring food for your family and even more. And we're going to share an old-fashioned homecoming-style Sunday. I'm so excited. We have a Celebration Sunday last year, but we did not have any meal afterwards, so we're going back to that this year. So excited about that. Also, we're having a baptism on Family Day. If you have not been baptized, I've talked to several of you that want to be baptized. I'm happy to do that. But if you have not been baptized, even if you have been baptized and it's been a while and you want to be baptized again, then I want you to be here on Family Day, October 29th, immediately following that service at the close. I'm going to move to that baptismal, and we're hoping and praying that the lightning didn't strike the uh, heater in it because we haven't tested it. But if we feel like we're going down to the river, it'll be all right. But typically, I like it around 92 degrees. First full run. Fall Festival will also be that afternoon. It's a busy day, October 29th from 5 to 7.30. And uh, so make plans uh, for being there at that. going to have some trucks out there. Uh, we'll have funnel cakes, fried Oreos, just a pile of goodies that the good Lord has blessed us with in this wonderful world we call America. All right, let's go. Five steps to fulfill God's plans for your life. Now, I know when you go to the AA meetings and they'll give you so many steps. Today, I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going to give you five steps. There's a lot of steps. But today, I've simplified it. I'm going to give you five of those. And I want you to look at Jeremiah 29 11. This is my text today. This is perhaps one of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible. For I know the plans. Somebody say plans. God does not have you here for one thing. God has plans for your life. So if you do one thing and you think God's finished with me, guess what? He's not. He has plans for your life. I do not make this declaration over you. God said, I declare it. So for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you 
not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and to give you a future. What a powerful, powerful scripture. So when we read this today, we understand, first off, that God has plans for your life. What does that mean? That means that you are here for a reason. When, when I think about this, you know, Sanja Kemp did a wonderful job, and she did the widow's meeting over there just this past week, and she talked about the different seasons of life that we go through, and she compared that to the ages that we go through, the, you know, 20 to, to 40, and things like this as we develop a family, and then as we bud later on in our life, it is the winter of our life, and she went through that. But the one thing that she told our elders, and I love it, she said, I want you to know that if you feel like that it's over for you and there's nothing left for you to do, God has you here for a purpose because if God didn't have you here for a purpose, guess what? You would not even be here. That's beautiful. And I grabbed that as that is exactly the way I feel today. That there's nobody in this room that if God did not have a plan for your life, that you would still be sitting among us today. So if you are alive and you are well and you are breathing, I have come to prophesy over your life what God has already spoken to you. I make a declaration yet again to let you know that God is ready to do something in your life and through your life in a way like you've never seen before. I've learned that the problem with us is we get distracted in our lives by the small things and we miss out on the big things. For instance, what is the small thing in my life, Pastor? Well, the small thing would be social media. Right? That's a small thing in our life. The old Facebook. The old Instagram. The Snapchats. The TikToks. We've got all of these, and we get so wrapped up in the small things that stop, we forget the big things. What's the big things? My family. My family is more important than me Facebooking. My family is more important than me TikToking. I would rather carry on a conversation with my children than to sit there and be on Facebook. These are the type things sometimes that we as humans allow to get in our way. I was thinking the other day, when I was a kid, my kid's age, and many of you remember this, we didn't have social media. We didn't even have cell phones. I didn't even know what social media was. And guess what? I turned out all right. Or at least I think so. But the point is, I can tell you this. I planted gardens. And I know what it is to go in the house and have dirt under your nails because you're out there picking up the potatoes as Daddy Cloud and I went behind and did the hard work. Anybody can drive the tractor, but I guess after he put me on and I popped it up and about flipped it on myself, that's why he wouldn't let me drive. The point is, God is trying to show us something. You can get focused on the minor and miss out on the major things in life. See, the one thing that we must understand is that perspective is important. What does perspective mean? Perspective means the outlook. It is your view. Perspective means it is the way that you see things. Do you see an amazing forest of trees? Or do you only see the, free, the trees that are in front of you that are blocking your view from the amazing view that God has given of this forest? You've heard the statement, you can't see the forest for the trees. That is exactly the point. That it is all about our perspective, how we see things. And oftentimes, do you 
circumstances, meaning the things that you have went through, the things that you have been through, do you see them as a sum, as a whole? Or can all you see is the issues that you face today? In other words, can you not see that God has put you through this thing? God, do you not see that God is preparing you to do something special? Or do you want to spend your life just wishing that things would be simpler and your, your load could be lighter? In other words, it is your trials, your temptations that are getting you stronger, ladies and gentlemen. It is the resistance of life that is making you stronger. You are like the rubber band. You can take that baby and you can pull it as, as hard as you want. And you'll see the resistance that it has. And it is amazing how I can take the little tiny rubber band and stretch it so far. It is because that rubber band is powerful. And it can sustain things, sustain itself. And we don't understand how it can make it through such trials and resistance. But that is the way it is in your life. You are going through things. You are facing trials. But God sees you like the rubber band. And the one thing about God is He said, I will not tempt you or, or try you more than you're able to take. He said, with every temptation, I'll make a way of escape that you may be able to In other words, God is saying, you are spiritually like the rubber band. I'm going to stretch you. I'm going to tug at you. I'm going to pull at you. You're not going to think sometimes that you're going to make it. You're going to think you're going to break. But if you'll just hold on, all I'm doing is making you stronger and stronger for the next thing that you're going to face in your life. Can you say amen to that? It is what the prophet said to the servant. You recall the servant ran to the man of God, Elijah. He says to Elijah, Elijah, we are surrounded by the Assyrians. I walked around. They're coming from every single direction. We are surrounded. What are we going to do? To which Elijah almost impatiently prays to the Lord and says, Lord, would you just open his eyes? I ain't got time to deal with this. There are armies surrounding me. There's people wanting to kill me. Would you just let this guy see what I see? Because what Elijah sees is what God says. It is all about the perspective. And whenever he prayed that prayer, the Lord opened up what he was praying, which changed his perspective. God opened up the eyes of that servant, you remember, and he saw in the spirit what he could not see with his physical eyes. In other words, God did something special. God changed his perspective. Oh, I wish somebody would hear what I'm telling you today. And I'm telling you, God changed it. The servant saw the enemy. But when God opened his eyes, he saw a bigger, more complete picture of what was really happening and what was going on. You understand when God opened his eyes, it was not a different situation. He still was in the same place. He still saw the same Assyrian army. He sees the enemy. But this time, instead of just seeing that, he sees a band of angels that are coming down from the hills. Chariots of fire, and he no longer fears what is coming from the Assyrians because God has the enemy surrounded. Oh, God have mercy. And he is about to deliver him out of the hands of the enemy. My prayer today for everyone in this building is very simple. It is the same as a man of God. 
The situation doesn't appear to change, but we see that God is in the middle of it all. As I preached to you before, it may look like I'm surrounded by the enemy, but I'm surrounded by you. As I painted a picture many months back of how the enemy has surrounded me, but then God surrounds our enemy. My God, aren't you glad for a God like that today? So today you're either looking at your enemy or you're looking at a band of angels. How many of you know that God has angels all around you? I want you to think about that for a minute. He has given his angels charge over us so that we will not dash our foot against the sun. The angels of the Lord encamp around all of those who love him. Think about that. Everywhere you go, there's angels with you. Every trial you go through, there's an angel right there in your room. It's all about perspective. As long as I see the negative, and as long as I see the enemy, and all the bad things, I'm never going to realize that there's angels here too. But when I get God's perspective, all of a sudden I'm running back to the man of God saying, you were right, buddy. These Assyrians are no match for the for us, because those that be with us are more than be with them. Hallelujah to God. God is on our side. I see now what you see now, God. Either you're looking at the problem or you're looking at the promises of God. How many of you know that God don't just have a promise? He has promises. So for every trial you ever go through, God has a promise that says I can take care of that. If you're hungry today and there's no food in your cupboard, but my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, if you need a miracle today, believe that by his stripes right now I am healed. One thing that we need if we're going to live a life of light and victorious, powerful life, we've got to make sure we have the right perspective to see what God sees. No matter what you're going through, don't get your eyes fixed on the smallest of your problems. Because in God's eyes, there's nothing too small, nor is there nothing, anything too big. He is working it out on your behalf. There is a bigger picture. You just don't see it yet. You cannot comprehend it right now. You do not know why you're going through this. You do not understand why. But God is saying if you just hold on a little longer and say, God, let me see what you said. God said there is a big picture. My gosh. How many of you adults in this house today can look back many, many years ago at a situation that you went through, and today you look at it and you say to yourself, man, I'm glad God worked it out that way. You thought that beautiful girl or that handsome man that you were supposed to marry, but it fell through the week before the wedding and you were just torn to pieces. But God sent another man, another woman into your life that was meant to be in your life. And you married them. And it is beautiful. But then all of a sudden you come across that old love, that old flame. That's Alabama used to sing. There's an old flame burning in your heart. <laughs> and you run across that old flame. He got about five young ones running behind him. Mama's nowhere to be found. Her daddy's nowhere to be found. Why? Because 
and he would pay $2,000. His car that was doing zero to 60 in 4.2 seconds would all of a sudden do it in 3.7 seconds. Now, Harry Burgess, this is the interesting thing. The potential is already in that vehicle. Are, are you silly? The potential, all he's got to do is unlock the potential. And it's called Moolah, honey. <laughs> For just $2,000, you grown adults can play. And get half a second faster so that you can get more speeding tickets and get everybody's insurance to go up. Yes, $2,000 is all it takes. The potential is in the software of the car itself. You don't change the wheels. You don't do anything. Just with a simple software update, the potential is unlocked. And see, I feel like that I pastor people like that sometimes. Because I see the potential. I know it's in some of you here, you know it's inside of you. You just got to let it out. You got to unlock it. See, God doesn't want you to sit there and keep it locked in. God wants you to release that potential so that the church can be blessed, so the world can be blessed. There is potential inside of you. You got to reach it, ladies and gentlemen. Develop your potential. Expose yourself to greater things. You need to be challenged. To do greater things. You do not need to be a small fish in a little itsy bitsy bowl. You need bigger. You need better. I need people in my life that will stretch me. I don't need yes people in my life that every time I come to them and say, man, if you call it, it's great. I know that's the case, but I don't need you to always say that. I need you to say, you know what? Lisa and I did, but if we did it this way, maybe, maybe this is better. I need somebody to make me think. You say, you know what? I haven't thought about that. You're brilliant. Yes. Unlock in me the potential. And that's why we have seconds, and I'm the type of guy that, that, I, that I, I, I thrive off of what I call open discussion. It is how I grow. It is how I lead at my best. It's whenever I can look at five people in a room and say, you know what, I've been thinking about this. This is my idea. Well, what do you think? And they start saying, I don't like it. All right, shut up. We don't want to hear from you. Who else? <laughs> and we start bouncing them ideas off. And you go, oh my gosh. And you begin to see a vision happen. And you begin to see the bigger picture. And you go, oh my goodness, this is bigger than I even thought it could be. Man, God just gave me a little seed. But look at this coming to fruition. I need that in my life. You need it in your life. You don't need to surround your people that all the time are agreeing with you. You need somebody that's going to stretch you and say you're better than that. You can do bigger than that. You can be more anointed than that. You've got to have somebody to tell you that. Oh, people of faith all around us to be better, not to pull you down. The goal is to make you better. I gotta go. How many of you have ever heard of koi fish? I got a koi in the house. But it's not spelled C-O-Y. I rebuke the sunny water in the name. Anyhow, me and water bottles have a time together. Sometimes I use them as illustrations. Other time, thank you. I appreciate that. 
I'm about to thirst death. Somebody give God some praise in this house. So you can take a koi fish. You put this koi fish in a small tank. This fish has the potential at that point to grow to be four inches. All right? You take the same fish. You put it in a larger lot. The koi fish is growing to grow upwards of eight inches. If you take the same fish and you put it in a pond and say, we're going to give you space to grow, this koi fish is going to grow up to 18 inches. Study it, and they say if you take the same koi fish and you put it in a big old lake, that the koi fish has the potential of growing to three and a half feet long, which is about 42 inches. The point is, the size of the pond that you swim in is going to determine your potential for growth. See, too often we limit ourselves, ladies and gentlemen, this potential inside of us. We limit ourselves, but God is trying to stretch us. In Philippians 4.13, listen to me. God has already told you, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I already serve a God that says I can do exceeding abundantly above all that you can even ask or think. And then I got a God that says I know the plans that I have for you and they are plans that are going to prosper you. You've got a hope. You've got a future. You're going to change the world. I wish somebody would say amen today. We all have enormous potential inside of us. If we do not get exposed to greater things and challenge, we will never reach our full potential. I remember Jesus challenged his disciples. What a great challenge. When he's walked around, he's done more miracles than even books can hold. John says, if you wrote everything that our Lord did, I suppose there would not even be enough paper in the land to write down all the miracles. But Jesus all the time stretched his disciples to be bigger and better. He looks at them, Steve, and he says, y'all think this is awesome. What I've done? Greater things than these shall you do. What? You talk about a challenge that God says when this Holy Spirit comes on you, the potential is inside of you. Potential is just a word for what you could be, ladies and gentlemen. It means nothing if you don't have a goal to reach it. Don't settle. Do not be this small fish in this small bowl. Stretch yourself out of your comfort zone. Get around people who are smarter than you are. Come on, somebody. People that want you to do more. In Romans 8, 11, Jesus said it this way. We are told that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, it dwells and lives inside of us. The same power that the disciples had at Pentecost over 2,000 years ago, that same power is living inside of us. Think about that. This Holy Spirit you talk about potential. Let me tell you something. It's time to develop this potential inside of us. We all have it. Don't live in a fishbowl, this little tiny tank, when God has so much greater for you. Don't be a normal Christian and just come to church. Don't be a normal church and just go through the motions. Let us go to the next level. Let us be a better Christian. Let us be a better church, a greater church, a 
And this is so important if you're going to do God's will in your life. You have to be positive. Negativity will kill you. Negative people do not build things. How many of you in this house are still crying over the fact that Clemson University, yes, I'm talking about the Tigers, the good old Tigers, lost to a horrific team, Duke, Blue Devils. We believe in God around Clemson High, and we let the Blue Devil beat us. I'm still mourning this. I am still crying about it. I'm whining about it. I've had a pile of solutions and never will not take my phone call. And I've said that. So I blessed it on Facebook. I'm just hoping to God one night he gets home. Negative people do not build things. But it was beautiful. I mean, you talk to him. He's like, oh, no, but we got a good offense. We're going to do some great weddings this year. Yeah, boy, you brainwash your students to believe it too. Kate, man, this is just this is just start something great. And I say, well, you watch y'all's mind. This is not great. But it shows me the culture that he has built, and I respect that. That even in the face of adversity, you look and you say, you know what? We can't change it. We're going to go to the next game, and by God's grace, we're going to win the next race. Of the next game by the grace of God. And I feel that way in trials. When I could get down and get negative and say, man, I'm never going to win. I tried this before and I failed. It's never going to work. Either I can get my butt up off the dust off so you know what? I'm going to get another day. Negative people don't build anything. All that negative people ever do and all that they're good for, they tear things down with their words. Negative people don't do things. They just point out all the wrong things that have been done by other people. Negative people never even make mistakes very often. It's always us that are doing wrong. They just want to point it out. Negative people do not accomplish things. They don't build big businesses. They don't make Apple products. They don't make Google products because they have an outlook that they never succeed. Some the little those who are trying, be positive, be positive, and positive things will happen. That is why I tell you today, speak it in Jesus' name over your life. I'm going to say it again. You speak it in Jesus' name. Speak it in Jesus' name over your life. Get the negative out of you. You cannot fulfill God's plan for your life if you allow negativity to breathe in you all the time. And birthday, you cannot do it. You've got to let go of it. I preach David and Goliath so many times I can't even, I don't even know. But when David saw Goliath, he had two possible reactions that he could do. Number one, he could run away from Goliath and say, oh my gosh, Goliath is nine foot tall. There's no way that I can beat Goliath, right? I'm just a little fella. Or he could run out there and just fight. I've got a leader that's leading me, his name's Saul. He has already told me, David, if you go out there, I'm telling you, you own your own money. I ain't coming out there. The only thing I can offer you, son, I'll give you my armor if you'd like to wear that. And if you want to die, here you go. 
That's the support that his leader gave him. Negativity all around. Children of Israel, all of them running around, hiding behind trees and bushes, as this old great Goliath says, if there's a man out there strong enough and powerful enough to beat me, then come on out. I'm just being honest with you. If I walk outside those doors today, there's a 10 foot man standing out there trying to come fight me and let's see who God is. I'm pulling my gun out of his head. We're going to shoot. We ain't fighting like David fought. The point is, if we saw that, we would be scared, would we not? I know it would put fear in my that, oh my gosh, I've never seen a man this big. And we would, let's be honest, we've heard none. We've locked the church doors and start praying, Jesus come down, fire for heaven fall. David was positive. And he says, I've come to you, not in my own strength, not in my own might, because it's not by my might, it's not by my power, it is by his power, saith the Lord, I come to you in the name of the Lord. And if you know he spoke it in Jesus' name, you know the rest of the story. Little David went in there, and he defeated that old giant. How did he do it? David didn't see a huge adversary. That he couldn't beat. He was positive and he saw a target that he could not miss. It is all about perspective. It is how you see it. And if you can see God's view for your life, I promise you, it is all about victory. It is a hope, it is a future. I'm going to close with this. Go on to the piano there, Sandra, if you don't mind. There's no way. He is so big, there's no way I can miss his big head. Oh, I'm going out there, and I'm going to take my five little rocks. I am going to beat him with a rock. Sure enough, he went out there and he did it. I said to somebody there, be positive. Stop this negative stuff. Enough of that. Stop it. Stop talking defeat over your life all the time. Stop it. Just quit. It's time for you to say something positive. Because if you speak negative, negative's gonna happen. But when you start speaking positive, the enemy gets all trembling and scared. Because if God is for me, who can stand against me? If the same power that is in the disciples speaking in tongues in the upper room is inside of me, what demon can stand against me? David understands this concept he defeats him. You got to change your language. Angie, when I was, I was a teen, maybe Dylan and Hillary should try this sometime in the youth group. When I was a teen, we had that man Gene that was over our youth department. And I remember we used to go on trips. And there was some little kid that had a little potty mouth. Not if Gene heard it, she would. 
led a sleepover at her house one night. And I remember one of the kids said something. Not even really that bad, to be honest with you. But back in my day, it was a sin that would send you straight to the devil in the midst of hell. And Jenny wasn't having no soul under her care going to hell. She said, come here. She said, open his mouth. What is going on here? What kind of cult have we gotten into? We already thought we were in one in She opens up her mouth. When she opens, we open up her mouth. She takes a bar of doggone soap. That's right, I said the doggone word. I'm country and I can do it. And she stuffed that soap down in his mouth. And I remember bubbles just coming out. She said, You don't say that. No, that's a bad word. I wonder. I might get some soap in my pocket, the mini bars. And when people come in talking negative things, open your mouth. We fix it and wash that out of there. You have spoken to think long enough. There's a God that has a plan for your life. It is time for you to let the enemy know that you know that. And greater is he that's in you. You are about to do something great for God. He's not going to win the battle. He's not going to torment you anymore. You're Expect God's provision. He owns everything. That means all of my time, my talent, my treasures. They belong to Him. I'm only stewards of them. I, we are caretakers. In other words, we make sure that the talents, resources, and the things in us are managed wisely. So we put God first over all things. What does that mean? When I put God first, it's like we're driving in a car. If you are a Christian, where is Christ in your car? Right? For some Christians, they put him in the trunk. You know what the trunk's for, right? That's kind of storage. Nobody ever sees it. It's kind of tucked away, kind of hidden. And when you get ready to get Jesus out on Sunday morning, you pop into the spiritual trunk, you grab his heart, Jesus, I'm going to worship for a little while. You go back to your car, you put Jesus back in your trunk. You go about your business all week, don't think about Jesus, don't sing about Jesus, you don't pray to Jesus, you know. Go back Sunday, pull Jesus out of my trunk. And then there's other people that sometimes, you know, the trunk's like spiritual happy hour, right? Let's go get our church on this morning. Then there's others. That they put Jesus in their passenger seat. He's my companion. He's my co-writer. Oh, yeah, Jesus goes with me everywhere I go. But he is not Lord. See, he's got to be first. Understanding. What Carrie Underwood sang a song many, many years ago that made her popular. We all probably heard it. When she sang a song that simply said, Jesus, would you just take me? In other words, Jesus, you got to drive the car. I'll get in the back seat and I'll let you shout. If you need my assistance, I'll sit in the passenger seat. If you need me out of you, out of sight, out of mind, put me in the trunk. I don't care. But you're in control. When you do this, Jesus becomes first in your life. It is only then that you are going to see the potential and the miracles that God has for your life. Two more minutes and I'm closing. I, 
potential. He is the first king over Israel. He has a promising start. He is a head taller than everybody else. He has military success. He leads them to many battles and they win. Thirdly, the start of his downfall, he disobeys and he offers sacrifices that Samuel was supposed to offer. Fourthly, we have incomplete obedience, meaning that instead of killing Agag, God said, destroy them all. He spared Agag. And fifthly, he lost God's favor. And God said to him, Saul, I've rejected you. You had potential, but you have not lived up to that potential. I have a little ruddy 17-year-old boy in the back of a pasture. Samuel has been led to Jesse's house. All of the boys have been examined. The tall one is the one that he picks. But God said, you are looking on the outside. I am looking inside of the man. None of these are it. The Lord, you told me to come here. Well, ask this or anybody else. Well, God, you have one other son out there tending to the sheep. His name's Dave. He said, bring him up at once. From the moment he laid eyes on him, God said, this is my man. This little ruddy, red-faced self. Really? He don't look like a king. He says, just hush. He has a heart after God. He's a ruddy little fella. He tends sheep for a living. But he kills lions and bears with his bare hands. Out of all of Israel, even including King Saul, he's the one that killed Goliath and cut his head off and went back into the camp holding it up saying, God has given us the victory. Are you ready? He is anointed by Savior with the ram horn of old. He is also the guy that after he's anointed and becomes king, he sleeps with a woman that is not his wife. He commits adultery. Her name is Bathsheba. They have a baby because of his sin. God lets the baby die. David repents in Psalm 51. Created me a clean heart. Give me a right spirit, Lord. I am so sorry. My iniquity is before me. I know I have sinned. Aren't you glad that this is the God that we serve? That when we make mistakes and when we fail, God says you still got the same potential you had when you started, David. When you were a ruddy little boy in the field, and all you can do is trust in Jesus and write your songs and sing with your heart. You're still the same man after my heart. You still have potential. Don't quit now. He repents. And do you know where David ends up? He ends up in the lineage of Jesus Christ. And it has been said of David, per the scripture, that David, his throne, shall last forever. In the Jewish custom, in teaching, it is called the Davidic Covenant. And that means that one day, Jesus Christ is going to come as the Messiah. And he's going to sit on the throne of David. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? We got two men. Both had potential. One ended up never reaching it. Another did. Which one are you going to be? Are you going to be the song? Or are you going to decide you're going to be the David? It's all about the way you see things. Let's say, I don't know.
Jesus, today I praise you. I thank you for who you are. Under the sound of my voice today, there are men, there are women. Some are older, some are younger. There's teenagers, there's kids. They have potential inside of them. I'm asking you to help them to realize today that you have plans for their life. And these plans are greater than they'll ever be able to imagine. Help us not to tuck away our potential and hide it from the world. There is something inside of us that you have given us to reach this also not world for Jesus Christ. All we've got to do is let it down. Help us not to believe the lies of the devil any longer. That we're not fit to serve. We're not worthy to serve. We've made too many mistakes. We're not good enough. We're not talented enough. We don't have enough resources. I repeat that in the name of Jesus Christ. Because if we need the resources, you give them. If we need the skill, you give it to us. Or you send other people that have skills that we don't attain so that you're planning purpose with These are the right today if you want to pray. They're right.